Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor reminds us to walk in love. Gospels changes. Politicians won't change. Only King Jesus will change this world. Not politicians, not a political system, not our opinions. And I'm just discouraged. I'm discouraged, church. I'm discouraged that we could become so, we, we can become so distracted by something, by anything, that we're not known for our love anymore. And when the political season passes, I'm sure that something else will come that will remind us to walk in love to remind us not to shine the bright light so much in someone's face that we lose the opportunity and instead we get this response. Hey, if you have, a, if you have an opinion, you have a... Poli- express it in love. Express it in love. This is amazing grace. Well, maybe you've noticed the growing hostility and hatred towards Christians in the world as we know it. If you stand up for righteousness or share the gospel, it is quite likely people will make fun of you or even lash out in anger towards you. But this shouldn't surprise us. As we'll learn today, Jesus said this sort of thing would happen. Today on Abounding Grace, we aim to complete John chapter 15, which describes the response to light and truth. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. My wife can see, my parents when they were here could see that I am a different person than when I was not saved living for the world. But even if you don't have a dramatic salvation story, the moment you began to serve God, you became a different person. And the reason you continue to be a different person is because God works in you. And let me just say, you didn't know me as an unbeliever, and I probably didn't know much of you as an unbeliever, and I praise God for that. Why don't you just praise God today that you are saved and you are changed, that God is working in your life, that he has changed you, that you're not the same, and now God is working in you, and you got all these new desires. You used to want to go party, now you want to go to Bible study. Where do you think that came from? It came from the Lord. That was a quiz. Nobody answered. Where do you think that came from? It came from God. He works in you. You're in Bible study now. Friday night, you're calling somebody that you know is lonely and you're ministering to them instead of going to the bar. Where do you think that came from? That came from the Lord. You have a deep love for your parents now. Where do you think that came from? You, you want to be a missionary. You want to be a missionary. You want to quit your job. You want to give up everything you have because you have a heart for a region of the world and you want to go. Everybody around you thinks you're crazy, but not God because he put that in your heart. You have a new business. You want to use it for the glory of God. Where do you think that came from? You have a talent where you want to see it expressed, where God gets the glory. That all came from the Lord. God's working in you right now. And not only is he giving you new desires, but it also says that he also is working in you to do. So different than the emphasis that we place upon ourselves of what we have to do for the Lord. Listen, God is doing through you. Yield to him. Trust him. He's working in you. He's working in me both to give us new desires and wants and the power to follow through. The energy, the very energy to obey comes from God and not from me or you. Now, with all that in mind, let's pick up in John 15 and close out 
these last few verses where Jesus reminds us of the Holy Spirit and the response to light. Love or hate is always the response to light. Verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Some of you right now are being hated without a cause. And it's a horrible feeling. And yet, Jesus is the only one that ever walked on the planet earth that truly could say this. That he was a perfect man, God in human flesh, and all the hatred that came to him was literally without a cause whatsoever. Verse 26. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he'll testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. The world will hate you. We've learned that already. It's a difficult thing to to take. Verse 18, remember, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Your relationship with God will solicit and elicit anger and hatred from those, really, they're not hating you more than they are hating God. And because you're abiding in Christ, the same hatred that goes toward him is going to go toward you. And the church today, you know, as you think of the church at large, has a lot of hatred coming toward it because there's not too many people left on the earth that are taking a righteous stand for righteous things, except for Christians. There aren't too many people standing up for the unborn, except for believers. There's not too many people standing up for right and wrong, black and white, except for believers. It's, it's wearied some of you so much that you think not standing up for right and wrong is right, the best choice for you because you're just tired of people hating on you. I mean, isn't that, that's even a new phrase. This is, the new phrase in our society is, is this whole thing of hating. You know, they're calling things hate that really isn't hate. Like, just because you disagree with them, well, you're hating on me. No, I'm not hating on you. You're hating on me saying I'm hating on you. And I, I, it's like, no, no, it's not. This is animosity and disdain for taking a righteous stand. True hatred. And I think there isn't any of us that really wants to be hated. I don't want to be hated. And that that's now puts us in conflict with the reality that when you live for Jesus Christ, you will be hated. Truly looked down upon. There are people right now plotting how to get rid of the church. There are people right now that instead of worshiping God, they're worshiping a God of their own image, seeing how they can wipe Christians out, how they can destroy Christians' lives. In a very real way in the Middle East right now, how they can literally kill Christians. I've been praying for our brothers and sisters in Egypt. We had a large ministry to Egypt for many years here that the Lord closed the door on. I pray one day that God will reopen that door for us. But I I keep up on things in Egypt, especially, especially in the Cairo area because of how much time and investment we've invested in those believers there. Recently, I read an article where, in a political way, they're going to allow Christians to build churches again. They haven't allowed Christians to build churches for years. You can build a mosque and have a mosque anywhere, but you can't, uh, and the, you can't build a church. And I would say that there's probably about 10 to 12% Christians in the population of Egypt. But I began praying because the solution for worship isn't a political decision. Because while there might be making political decisions, um, there's still going to be a lot of opposition to those churches being built. 
They're going to come against them like crazy. Even the little church that we were worshiping in, in the slums of Cairo, had opposition at every turn. Not because they did anything wrong, because they were the ones giving food away free in Jesus' name. They were the ones taking in refugees. They were the ones that what meager offerings they had were spreading it back into the community in a very real way. What was the hatred? The shining the light of the gospel. Anytime you shine light, you will get a response. And you'll get one of two responses, love or hate. Even some of you today, as you're introduced to Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, you're introduced to a God who loves you. Because there's not many people on the earth today saying, you haven't evolved. You were created by a God who loves you. You were created in God's image. And just a simple statement like that will elicit all kinds of people upset with you. All kinds of people mad. Don't tell me about God. Don't tell me God created. I believe I evolved from goo. <laughs> but it's just a false belief system. Because if, if, you, you know, if you can convince yourself that you evolved from nothing, then you have no accountability. <laughs> and isn't that the easier way to live life, some people think. But when you know that God created you and he loved you, then you have to live by your creator's terms. And your creator's terms include definitions of behavior in our lives that people aren't comfortable with. For example, we live in a culture today where when you're talking about morality and talking about the things of God, most likely people will say, well, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. You might even describe yourself like that today, listening in on the radio or watching online right now. You're a good person. And you define yourself as a good person because you give to charity, because you help your neighbor, because you are involved in the Kiwanis Club or the Key Club. And let me just say, thank you for being good. Thank you. I would agree with you. Uh, and I'm sure people that know you would agree with you. You're a good person. And this world needs more good people. We don't need more bad people. We need more good people. We need more good people giving food to the poor. We need more good people helping their neighbor. We need more good people. Absolutely. Be good. But here's the problem. When it comes to being a good person, some equate being good as good enough to go to heaven. If we took a trip down to Southlands, I gave you guys all clipboards and you went around asking people questions and you just asked them, will you go to heaven? Most of the people will say, yes. Yes, I'm going to heaven. And if you followed up and said, why are you going to heaven? Most likely they're going to say something like that, like I'm a good person. I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. The only problem with that is that God does not place the standard of eternal life at good. God places the standard of eternal life at perfect. (laughs) Perfect. Only perfect people get into heaven. And you're like, oh man, am I perfect? Well, maybe I am. Yeah, I'm perfect. (laughs) But here's the thing. None of us are perfect. Not one of us. Whether you have a dramatic story like me, all the junk I did in my life, or you grew up in a Christian home, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Nobody's perfect. As a matter of fact, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it wouldn't take long to convince you. Because God, if you just took one little portion of the Bible, back in Exodus chapter 20, there's a list of behaviors that God identifies as as what he wants from his people. We know them as the Ten Commandments. And if you just went through the Ten Commandments and examined your life with the Ten Commandments, surely you will find a mistake in your life. For example, we get to the one where it says, have you ever lied? 
And you might respond immediately defensively. I don't lie. I'm not a liar. I've never lied. Really? Well, let's think through this for a minute. Really, just think hard. Take some time. I'll give you some time. Just see if you can ever think of a time you didn't tell the whole truth. Okay, 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 okay. I was three years old, and I took a cookie, and I told mom that my brother did it. And I felt so bad because I had chocolate chips all over my face, and I said I was sorry. So I guess, yes, at three years old, I told a lie. But I was three years old. Come on now. I was three years old. Well, if you were three years old, and you told a lie, do you know what that makes you? A three-year-old liar. (laughs) And the Bible says, with one mistake, you are no longer perfect. Just one. Let alone the way that we deal with lying as adults. I don't lie. I just tell half-truths. Oh, half-truths. You're a half-truth teller. You're not a liar. You're a liar! (laughs) Half-truths are whole lies. But we have this whole system set up to excuse ourselves of our own behavior. We hold people accountable for what they do, but we hold ourselves accountable for what we want to do. So what you call mistake, what the world calls mistakes, the Bible calls sin. And under that definition, maybe it's not lying, maybe you're an honest person, maybe it's stealing, maybe it is, is covetousness, who knows what it might be, worshiping another idol or a god. You'll come guilty long, you know, long before you end the Ten Commandments. And that guilty feeling is designed to show you that you have sinned, to convince you that you're not as perfect as you think. As good as you might be, you're not as perfect as you might think. And you go, well, Ed, then wait a minute. If I'm, if I'm guilty, if I'm really not perfect, then what hope is there for me? What hope is there for us? If all have made mistakes, if all have sinned against a holy and a righteous God, and if all have fallen short of God's perfection, then what do we do then? Well, the good news is, is that Once you identify your issue as sin, then you can look to God who sent you and me a Savior. A Savior. God sent Jesus Christ, the the very Son of God, to the earth to pay the price for your sin and mine. Jesus was perfect, and he offers you the exchange of your life for his. His perfection for your imperfection. His sinlessness for your sin. His power for your weakness. His eternal life with him for the inevitable eternal life apart from him. Because listen, friends, as real as heaven is, everyone loves to believe in heaven, but as real as heaven is, hell is just as real. Jesus taught on hell just about more than anything else besides money and the kingdom of God. Why? Because he doesn't want anybody to go there. He came and sacrificed his life just for you. Not to live as a standard of just being good, but living in the standard of being righteous, trusting Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. There's no other way out. In a few moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the perfection of Jesus, to the one who has given himself for you, the one that when he came and he as a light into a dark world, the response was hatred and animosity to the point of crucifixion. They killed him and tortured him. That was his reward for loving people. The Bible says that we are following in his footsteps, and it shouldn't surprise us that there will be hatred coming toward us for our attempt to, to, to take a righteous stand in a very dark world. But you have to be careful how you shine the light, church. You have to be careful how you shine the light. 
Because you can, an appropriate amount of light in a dark place is good. But too much light in a dark place can be very annoying. You know, for example, some of the ladies up at the retreat right now, they're, they're, some of them are uh, in a room together with people they've just met, and they're sharing a room. And if they wanted to play a practical joke, they could have gone up with one of those big floodlights and charged it up and put it under their bed. And then at 3 o'clock in the morning, wake up, go to one of the ladies in the room, turn that thing on right in her face. Good morning, sunshine. What do you think the response will be? I don't think she's going to be too happy. First of all, she's going to say, I can't see, I can't see. And then she's going to say, what are you doing? What kind of, like anybody that would flash a light in your face like that, you're going to get a response of not, not being too happy about it. But you know, I see Christians doing the same thing. Flashing floodlights into people's lives. Like some of you are thinking about, I would never do that to a neighbor at a women's retreat or a men's retreat. Great. But are you doing that in the world today? Jesus said that the mark of our church, the mark of his church would be love. And let me just tell you, church, I've seen and heard a lot of loveless comments coming from believers, especially in this political season where you've gotten caught up in politics and you've been distracted from the love of God. Now, I'm not going to speak on the politics of life right now. You make up your own decision before the Lord. But there have been a lot of things coming out of mouths, a lot of things being posted that are tearing down people instead of building up people and not, re- not replying and not reflecting the love of God that's in you. Some of you have gotten so caught up in things that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God that you've lost the ability to shine the light. It's been so bright and so in people's faces that you can't even talk to them anymore. They can't even see the truth because of the brightness. Like, love builds up. It doesn't tear down. And too many men and women that name the name of Jesus Christ are tearing down. And I'm telling you, that's not the love of Jesus. I've been around for a few years, and I've been through a few political cycles. I've never seen anything as nasty as I've seen recently. I've never seen anything as bad as I've seen recently. I've never seen anything as cruel, especially from mouths of believers. But I've also been around long enough to see presidents in and out of office, presidents that we want, presidents we don't want. And listen, the world is still coming to an end. And what God wants in a political system is for us to be citizens, for us to be involved, for us to make righteous, conscious decisions unto the Lord. But it's not for us to blow our witness and for us to lose our light in society. For us to be hated for our opinions instead of being hated for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gospels changes. Politicians won't change. Only King Jesus will change this world. Not politicians, not a political system, not our opinions. And I'm just discouraged. I'm discouraged, church. I'm discouraged that we could become so, we we can become so distracted by something, by anything, that we're not known for our love anymore. And when the political season passes, I'm sure that something else will come that will remind us to walk in love, to remind us not to shine the bright light so much in someone's face that we lose the opportunity and instead we get this response. Hey, if you have have an opinion, you have a... Express it in love. Express it in love. Express what you believe the Lord's put on your heart in love. God will honor that. But God won't honor the flesh. And God won't honor us in expressing things that tear down and root out and don't edify people in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying that there's going to be a hatred toward us because of the gospel. 
He's saying, if you're hated because of the gospel, just understand, they hated me. They hated my father. This is normal. It's normal. And the Holy Spirit, when he comes, the Holy Spirit that lives in us, the primary ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life is to testify of Jesus. That's what he said. The Holy Spirit, when I come, verse 26, will precede the spirit of truth. He will testify of me. So believers, filled with the Holy Spirit, we will testify of him. I mean, things I've seen and heard, Jesus would never say. Jesus is never recorded of saying those types of things, doing those types of things. And may the Lord help us to live up to the standard that Jesus has for us, that we'll be known by our love for one another. We'll be citizens of heaven, citizens of earth, and we'll be faithful to both in that order. That we be spiritual men and women, and that will lead to us being good citizens participating in the process, participating in the world, making a difference for the kingdom of God in a way that will glorify him and honor him, and yes, perhaps bring a little bit of hatred our way. So Jesus, he's given these final instructions. Don't be troubled. Don't worry. Trust me. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Things are going to get hard, but you're going to make it through. Love. Let that be the ultimate sign, guys. He says, let that be the ultimate thing that people know you by. Your love. Let that be the ultimate evidence. Let that be the ultimate experience. Let that be the ultimate witness to the world. The love that he's commanded. Abiding in him. His agape love flowing through us. And may the Lord just help us to be men and women of love thinking of others more than ourselves, knowing full well that Jesus Christ is returning soon. And you too, the world has a response, but so do you. You and I have an opportunity to respond too. Will we respond in love or will we respond in hate? Will we be controlled by the Spirit or will we respond in our flesh? It's a very important truth to consider this week as we head into whatever God has for us, whatever discussions come up that we wouldn't forget the love of Jesus Christ, the very spirit that dwells in us. When we yield to the spirit, he's going to testify of who? Jesus. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor has been in the book of John. We're going through the gospel from start to finish. To hear today's message again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. And we have an app that we'd like to recommend. It's free and available on all platforms. This is another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings, including this present series. Search for Ed Taylor or Calvary Church and download our church app today. Pastor Ed, I like what you had to say today about speaking the truth in love. We sometimes neglect the love part of that, don't we? You know, Larry, we do neglect the love part, and I'll tell you why, at least my point of view, why. It's because we're so personally hurt and and we are so personally hit that we immediately retaliate or we want the upper hand or we want to win the argument or we want to prove a point and forget that... Love is so important. Yes, I, I know there are people listening. Yeah, but when I speak the truth, I'm speaking in love. And yes, I'm, I know I changed my voice on purpose. But love is demonstrated. Love is demonstrated. Never forget that. I'm not making up this definition. The world's not making up this definition. And neither can you. You can't make it up. The Bible's very clear on what the greatest demonstration of love is. And that is in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated, he revealed 
Uh, the word literally means something to be known by action. W- when God demonstrates, he by his actions reveals great sacrifice is the demonstration of love. So maybe today we could say that we would speak the truth in love by speaking the truth in sacrificial action. May the Lord use us in these last days. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to delivering God's Word to people all across the world, but we can't do it alone. We're very thankful for the listeners that come alongside us with financial aid and prayerful support. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. If you'd like to help us reach people with the love and truth of Christ, please visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Pastor Ed has written an excellent book for pastors and spiritual leaders called Sure and Steady. This workbook-style guide would be perfect to go through with your elders or pastoral staff. It's designed to remind you of the main things in pastoring and serving others. Each point and corresponding scripture can be used as a foundational truth in the ministry of serving within your church. Request the book Sure and Steady when you call 877-30-GRACE. Again, 877-30-GRACE. Zero Grace. And then join us tomorrow on Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor returns to the Gospel of John. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.